Hey guys, you're here with the Driveway Athletes. Um, I do apologize for the length of time that it took for me to get this podcast edited up and able to be listened to. I had promised this early in the week, um, and it, I'm now recording this intro on Sunday, and I had record, we had recorded the episode on Wednesday. So um, to give you guys a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, um, on Wednesday, shortly before recording this podcast, I had gotten news that... Uh, a co-worker of mine, a staff member, um, had passed away and uh, ended up having to go back into work and make some really difficult phone calls. Um, and I've recorded this afterwards because um, if you knew this this co-worker of mine and you know a little bit about me, um, really the thing that I try to do is make sure I go on living as normal as I can because... Uh, sitting in it for too long can really make you um, stuck in it um, and that's not to say we don't honor people or, or mourn them it's just you know for us we got to pick up the pieces and in this case with this co-worker of mine that is exactly what he would have done so I also felt it important to do because um, it is an honor really of of him so uh, we recorded this episode shortly after that so I know this is like a awkward transition um it's like i'm talking about death and then talking about fantasy football but um the reality is is that impacted the rest of my week um so as much as i want to keep on um i just really didn't have the bandwidth to come through and take care of this stuff so i do now it is now sunday in the middle of the day um i'm recording this and then i will have some more episodes about fantasy football and probably wrestling throughout the week um so guys otherwise Remember, you know, life is short. Be kind. Take care of yourselves. Uh, Make sure that you're checking in on your friends and whatnot. You never know what the last conversation you're going to have with somebody is. You never know when your time is up. So uh, as keeping with this person, the last piece I'll say is the best thing we can do is be kind. You know, spread kindness and be kind with people and Hopefully you can leave that kind of the same kind of mark as, as this person did. Um, he was really loved by everybody. So I know that this is going to be feel weird to then hear all this stuff and then hear fantasy football. But again, I'm trying to keep it as normal as I can. So um, this episode where you talk about post-draft feelings, not getting too high, not getting too low, and then a little bit of cleanup is... Um, Fournette signed with Tampa Bay earlier this week and then early this morning Adrian Peterson signed with Detroit so um, I hope that you enjoy this recording and I'll be back later on in this week with some other topics and uh, we'll go from there thanks guys all right guys we're back if you listen to the intro you know what you're in for um, but we're here to talk about um, kind of post-mortem fantasy draft. And um, no matter how much preparation you do, things uh, change. So we're back here with that again um, to talk draft. And then, geez, um, I would imagine this is the last weekend for drafts. And then it's going to be, you know, talking about week in, week out stuff. So um, hopefully we get a full season. So we're here with Ed to talk How you today. Doing? How's everybody? About uh, draft stuff. Yeah. So, um, 
we had our home league draft on Sunday. This this will air on Thursday. Um, so it is Wednesday night when we're recording this. So if any news breaks on Thursday that we're behind, please understand. We are recording this on Wednesday. Little peek behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we talked a little bit last week about draft order and whatnot. So um, for those that don't know, um, I don't want to go by pick by pick because I don't necessarily think that that's interesting to an audience that's not in our league, even though, you know, it's not like I'm talking about hundreds of people that are listening that aren't in our league. But um, what we're going to talk about is so I drafted before you. I was one pick before you. We were towards the tail end of the draft. And we're just going to talk about a little bit of like what it feels like maybe when a guy you're eyeing um, gets grabbed. So um, to be honest with you guys. Um, I had taken in, in our league, um, when your name is called, you pick where you want to draft from of the picks that are left. Um, so you pick your draft slot. So the champion gets the fir- the champion from last year gets the first crack at it. He took the last pick. Um, and then as we went through, so um, I had picked 10, I had taken pick 10 when there were some picks earlier. And I did this to myself last year too, uh, expecting to get Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And that did not happen. Um, so then I got stuck with a little bit of what's left. Yeah. And for me, like I had the option of pick four and I wasn't crazy about the guys that were probably going in that area. So I decided to take 11. Um, and like we had talked about this, like, off air I should say like about like mock drafts and how that's a good exercise and all that stuff but in reality like I gotta tell you like our draft and I assume this happens in all drafts like it definitely didn't go the way I expected it to go and I'm pretty sure you feel the same way Oh, no, I probably have done since we did our draft order alone. I'm not counting the drafts I did before I knew I would be picking. Like I probably done, I don't know, 25 to 50 mock drafts and not zero went this way. Right. Uh, So I felt a little bit I don't want to say blindsided. Um, but I felt a little bit like, so the idea always is when something goes out of order unexpected, then it means something else falls. The problem is, is it might not fall to you, (laughs) right? When you're that late in the draft, you are dealing with a little bit of whatever it is that people in front of you do. And so like, my feeling is like, if this person doesn't go here, then that, you know, then this person should be there for me or, or whatever, And the reality is, is what ended up happening is the first 11 picks, which were no, the first 10 picks, you were pick 11. Right. All running backs. All. In fact, and I think, let's see, like by what? Pick 204, there were 
13 or 12 running backs off the board. No, 13, right? Yeah, 13 running backs off the board. So, right. I mean, that's a lot, don't you think? Like, oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Um, so there was not a mock draft that I had done where Ma- Michael Thomas fell all the way down to pick 11. Um, there was also not a mock draft where Julio didn't go before the third pick of the fourth or the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just did not happen, you know, like, um, so I tend to think that most people aren't tuning into fantasy football podcasts and or multiple fantasy football podcasts, right? Um, but it seems like the cat was out of the bag. That, like, you really needed to get an early running back, you, you know? Do you yeah, feel that? I mean, I think that's the... Uh, that's kind of the... It seems like that's the industry standard, I would say. Like, I mean, you, you're saying, like, people didn't listen. I feel like... No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, is that like, I don't think that your average home league player listens to podcasts. Um, that being said, somehow everybody was on the same page. So I guess what I'm saying is, is I think that, but maybe I'm wrong. Right. I think that like the industry standard now is running back is is absolutely hands down the most important position. Um, yeah, and I also, you know, I don't know how many of the people in our league check out the website, check, you know, like, but when you also, when you're in a league and you start publishing your own stuff and it's like something that other people can look at and compare to their other experts, may, you know, like, um, there might be a little bit of an effect there. Sure. Um, so I also wonder, you know, like, um, I don't know about you, you know, like the people in our league and I have friends that I talk to that I'm in different leagues with, like when they're in drafts that I'm not in, I tend to get questions, um, about different picks that they have coming up. Um, and I also think that like sharing some thoughts on people, on players, um, may have affected their picks in this draft too. Well, dude, you got to put out misinformation. I think (laughs) I got to go the uh, (laughs) propaganda route. Yeah. I think you have to put some misinformation out there. (laughs) I mean, look, I I'm going to be honest, you know, um, my feeling is the more competitive the league is, the better, you know, like, um, so, and who knows, you know, I could be as wrong as anybody, but I try to give everybody a pretty honest, take and if that means that i might miss out on some guys i like well then i've got to adjust right you know um but so you go through and the first round doesn't quite go and every draft is going to be different so i don't want to just kind of focus on our draft but after those first like 14 running backs come off the board it then becomes a little bit of a like a like a really big crap shoot on 
what goes next because there wasn't another running back taken after that for some time. Um, well, like, I, I, yeah, I'm I'll looking run at back this. here and there. You know, I, I'm like, looking at this. So basically, after you take a running back at two oh three, right? Yeah, yeah. Three, three. There isn't another running back taken until. 304 and then one at what, 308. Yeah. So, I mean, it, there's just. It gets sporadic. It gets it. sporadic. And for me personally, I know like it's not totally interesting for everybody, but at all the mock drafts I've done, all the prep that I've done. I have I went completely off script of what I actually really wanted to do. Now, like I'm looking at my team, like it made me uncomfortable. I gotta tell you, you know, like give you some stress. Yeah, it did. Like, so I'm sitting there, and all these running backs come off the board. I got pick eleven, and I'm sitting there, and really like the guys in the range are like Chubb and Aaron Jones. I'm not crazy about either of those guys. Um, I'm not crazy about Chubb because we've, we've talked, we've talked about like this situation he's in with Hunt there and all that stuff. So I wasn't crazy. Like I just wanted somebody that like was, barring any sort of injury obviously like is is almost like a home run and that's why I took Thomas I took a wide receiver in the first round which I have never done in any mock draft that I've done in what like 50 drafts but so um I also think this is another like important part of the the discussion is like what I'll always say is like that's why it's kind of best to go in with more of a loose philosophy than a structured game plan. Um, well, this be- goes back to your flow, right? Like, like you have to be able, yeah, it do- it does. Like you have to, you have to be adjustable because there are times where guys' value is going to dictate that you're going to make that pick. And I feel like at pick eleven, staring at Michael Thomas, it is. You know, I don't know. I know I didn't pick him, but I know if it were a pick later and I enforce in your situation that I would make a different decision. You know, like eventually there comes a point where you've got to take them like it just is. Um, so you have to be, you know, I'll, I'll say the phrase malleable, but really you have to be um, you have to be ready to kind of ride ride the wave a little bit agile i mean yeah yeah yeah, exactly you got to be agile you got to have some wiggle to you um because i think that you got stressed a bit because it was so different than everything that you did but the reality is is it provides you such a floor you know bar again barring injury which we're not going to project it provides you such a floor that you have to you have to take michael thomas well i guess here's a question and I was thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Like, so new, like, we're getting constant news. Like, yeah. Throughout days, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And 
the news comes out the day that we're well i guess it had been out but like anyway the like mixon was experiencing migraines um (laughs) which essentially meant he was like instead of holding out holding in i like to say right but like you gotta think about it like this is preseason like it's a long season it's it's 17 weeks like as as uh as we're drafting i I mean should people be scared of that kind of stuff like i don't know like i'm kind of like kicking myself a little bit for maybe not taking him and like I mean, he fell pretty far because of that news, right? Yeah. Um, the, so, I mean, like where his consensus pick was, like he was a he was in the first round. Oh yeah, I think when I did my rankings before the like migraine stuff started, I think I had him like at pick eight, maybe. Yeah. Um, but look, like you should take it into account. Like you shouldn't just, you know, we learned a lesson with Le'Veon Bell, right? Correct. Yes. You shouldn't just say, Oh no, it's fine. You should take it into account. You should take it seriously. But the other part is, is these guys, they redid the CBA and there's only so much leverage these players have. So it's unlikely that a player is going to take the hit of a whole season um, because the teams can't wipe away the fines. Like, so before it'd be like, all right, they got a new deal done. Or when you report, they wipe away, you know, they forgive the fines. They can't do that anymore. So those like 11 or 30,000, whatever the fine number is for each missed day, the players got to pay that. Also, I think with that is like, if you miss certain amount of games or what, like, you lose eligibility. Correct. To become yeah. a free agent. So there's not, you're right. There's not a lot of leverage. There's just, there's just not. So, but that being said, if the situation becomes untenable, which is what happened in Pittsburgh with Bell, the reality is, is what happened there is he told them, don't franchise tag me again. And they did. And he never signed it. Like he gave them an ultimatum. Um, and they went ahead and did it anyway, you know, so like you do have to keep your eye on a little bit on if there's any news coming out about the situation is ugly or not where, you know, like whatever. Um, so right. So the, what the two days after our draft, the Camara news starts coming out. Right. Um, and you know what? I'm more worried because they're saying he got an epidural in his back the other day than I am about a potential holdout. Yeah, me too. I mean. I feel like that holdout situation would be resolved. I mean, the the this like it's 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 concerning with potential like injury. Like, I mean, I, I think we've talked about this just about like injuries, not to like football players, but in general, like like these like pain medications. You're like treating like you're not actually treating the injury you're just covering up i guess the pain right like well so the issue i i believe 
is that the diagnosis is sciatica, mm-hmm. um, which look sciatica sucks. You know, like it is not, it is very painful. The treatment isn't other than an ep- like an epidural. It's like rest. You know, right. like there is much you can do to speed your process along. And no, like there isn't really a, you know, you're just treating the pain. You're not treating the root cause because treating the root cause involves something with not a high rate of success, you know? So, um, that being said, you know, I, we also, I just, we just don't know. We, we don't know that much about what's going on there and you have to know how much, you know, it, I still think I would take Kamara in the top six today. But um, like, let's just say if you're doing, if we were doing our draft this weekend, mm-hmm. I mean, does he go what one, two, three, fifth? Maybe he gets pushed. Maybe, maybe not. You know, like it depends how many people are like, like it depends on personalities. He might not go depending on the league. You know, if you've got a lot of like super conservative people, like he could fall, he could be be a free fall. Right. You know, because they'd be like, well, there's the holdout and the back injury. And I never really liked them that much anyway. And, you know, like every league is a bit different. What I would say, though, is like if if you're going into your draft and you're going to spend up for Alvin Kamara, make sure you take Latavius Murray. Right. I got to tell you, like, I'm looking at this, and if we had our draft this weekend, I'm probably (laughs) taking Henry fourth. That's, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that's a bad pick. Like, I mean, he's the steadiest running. I mean, fine. You could argue he doesn't catch, but like, yeah, but he's the focal point of that offense. Right. Um, so. That that is what it is. Like so, I guess my next question is because I'm I'm pretty sure this name is out there on our waivers. Do you think that um, his his backup Darion Darionton Evans, I believe his name is. Yes. Yep. Um, how valuable do you find him to be? But obviously, he's not as valuable probably as Murray, right? No. Because the Titans offense isn't as good without Henry. Right. So it's not that kind of a handcuff per se, but it is a It is a team that does not have a receipt quote unquote receiving back. Right. I mean, I guess if Henry were to go, I just don't think that guy would, I guess, yeah, like we we tend to like think, oh, if next man, do, yeah, next yeah. man up is going to produce like the guy that. No, I don't I think mean, so. But I guess my feeling is, is if you lose your number one back, does someone who falls into it still represent a starting running back? Yeah, I guess. Like, you can't find starting running backs just anywhere. No, you can't. I, I guess, like, again, if you're drafting, well, I shouldn't say that because we somebody some in our league could have drafted him. I feel like he's still he's on waivers right now. Definitely still on yeah. waivers. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, 
I don't think he deserves like a like a roster spot at this point. It's an interesting question. That's right. more that's why I was asking yeah. because there's also not a lot of teams where um if the back goes down that that is not spread. Right. So if Todd Gurley goes down tomorrow, well, Ito Smith isn't going to get all the carries that Todd Gurley would get. It's going to be spread between him and sure, right. Um, so there's not really many backs that represent if the guy in front of them, who is a three down back or whatever you want to say, who's not a, who's not a Chubb hunt situation. Um, that the next man up gets the carries, which is why um, Madison is so valuable. It's why Latavius Murray is so valuable. Um, you're, you know, like there are a certain class of guys that if the guy in front of him goes down, the path to at least opportunity is big. Um, and I think that Evan, like, I think that Evans represents opportunity. I don't know what that opportunity looks like though, either. Right. Like um, I know that Tennessee would prefer to run the ball. um, And I know that they have a decent offensive line, but he is not Derek Henry, you know, he's not clearly. (laughs) So all of those things being said, um, we talked about drafting. We talked a little bit about, um, well, one, I, one guy we didn't talk about was Fournette in that news. Oh, yeah. Um, I think he's going to end up. The news right now is that the Tampa Bay seems to be the favorite for him to end up at. I also heard New England. What do you What do you think about that? I mean, they just cut Sanu today. Right. Um, talk about just a bad trade. <laughs> they gave up like a second round pick for him. I mean, honestly, if I were the Eagles, I would probably kick those tires. For sure, yeah. Um, that being said, um, how many backs is New England going to sign? He said, yeah, I, I guess the only reason I bring them up is, like, his body type seems to fit that sort of offense. Like, if you go back, like, what, LeGarrette Blunt? was successful there. Um, I forget who else was successful. Like, they I mean, had a thousand yeah. do well there. Right. Um, yes, but they've got a lot of bodies there, right? You still, you, so they have uh, Damian Harris, who they drafted last year. Uh-huh. James White, right? James White, who's always going to get catches. Like he's always got a pot part of the offense. You still Sony. have Sony, but I honestly I think Sony's probably he might he might be like he might be done right he, yeah he might be but there's still other guys that they have, that <laughs> they still have like another three backs I feel like Rex Burkhead like yeah like um so more or less like sure but also like I don't know you know like we'll we'll see. We'll see what what happens there. I would expect. I would really expect Tampa. So, but I mean, that kind of kills. Um, Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones. Yeah. Like, if I you, mean, did we real? I mean, this is not a knock against Ronald Jones, but 
it's not like Ronald Jones didn't have a chance to win a job last year. Right. You know, he did. Um, so I guess like, I'm also surprised that they didn't sign um, Freeman or, or another back there. They drafted Vaughn, but Arians doesn't seem to really be a fan of giving the ball to rookies anyway. Um, and that goes back to Arizona when they drafted David Johnson and still had a, an agent, Chris Johnson. And even though, you know, like they, he still gave the majority to Chris Johnson, even though he was really kind of underperforming. Yeah. And I guess like me bringing up like Fournette is, I, I mean, think about it. Like the fantasy communities, like, like if you have him, you're going to be like, what, well, where's he going where he'll be successful versus like is he going to go somewhere to kill my player like you know what I mean? like, oh yeah it, it's all around all around it, it really sucks you know like um jacksonville really, really let that drag on you know for a long time before they ultimately released them um not that they care about fantasy football but the reality is is like just like if you want to get rid of a guy, why would you have him around your team? You know, like I, I just they tried trading him apparently, right? Like, yeah, but when people once the cat's out of the bag about like how bad you want to get rid of somebody in the league, I feel like there are like a running back most teams aren't trading for or giving up a lot of value for, unless it's someone very special, um, and. Fournette, when he's on the field, has been very good, but he has not been a top five pick special, and that's what they paid for him. And once people are know that you're shopping someone just because you want them out, eventually there's just no price. Right. You know, like, um, no one's going to give up anything. And he's going to get signed. People are going to wait for the, this to clear so they don't have to pay him what he's owed. Um, but I also feel like once you got past, like, what's your best leverage? It'll be draft day, right? Teams wanted a guy that they, they didn't fall to him, mm-hmm. you know. And when you know you know you want a deal, maybe they have they don't only have to give up a sixth or a seventh round pick. And I don't know. Like I just feel like the cat was out of the bag that they just were very unhappy with him, um, for whatever reason. You know, I don't know. Um, and everybody kind of knew it, and they kept holding him, hoping to get what? You know, what did they think they were going to get? They barely got anything for Ngakwe, who's a who's a great player, right? You know, like once once it was out out that the situation was untenable. Sometimes teams don't want to be bidding against themselves, and that's always the worry. And they didn't get equal value back for Ngakwe. No, for sure not. Um, I mean, I I kind of feel like they're they're tanking, tanking, yeah. They're one hundred percent tanking, but also they're like. Um, they're claiming that they're trying to clean up their locker room and some other stuff, but I also feel like that's a bit of a cop out. Um, All right, so I mean, does that saying what we just said does that worry you? Worry you about the Chara pick? No, I think what it means to me is like this is not a knock against who's there in their backfield. Rykel Armstead and, and Chris Thompson, who I picked up late and they drafted a guy. I'm not quite sure how to say his name. I should have looked that up, but they drafted a guy this year who um, 
seems to be very liked by some people. Um, the reality is when you trade away Ngakwe um, and you trade away those other talents, they're probably going to be playing from behind. I still think they're going to throw the ball. So you got to throw the ball. Correct. Yeah, right. I mean, real football-wise, it's probably not good, but, like, fantasy football, like – No, I think I think yeah. Minshew was worth having, you know, as a late flyer. Um, and I think that I'm very fine with, with Chark. He, you know, like, who's he competing with? Nobody. Not really. And eventually, you know, the plays will happen. Um, so I just, I feel like, um, and I still feel like Chris Thompson's going to get a fair amount of catches. Um, he's just probably going to end up line, lining up in the slot and stuff. Like, like the discussion was for, um, uh, for hunt. Right. Um, that, that he would line up in the slot. So I feel like Thompson, as long as he can stay healthy is actually being a little undervalued considering like James white, how high valued, James White is, and we really don't know what to expect in New England this year. Um, we don't know. Uh, look, the last time we saw Cam on the field, he didn't look very Cam-like, and we just don't. No, we didn't. Yeah, we don't know what version of Cam. Look, I I like Cam Newton. I hope he comes out and looks like Cam Newton. You know, like I don't like the I don't like New England, but I root um, I root for Cam Newton. I I like him. Yeah, I'm a fan too. Yeah, and I would love to see him come out to his old ways. We just don't know. We just don't know. So I feel like James White is no matter who's behind center, it does have value. But Chris Thompson is a less durable version of James White, I guess. And um, when he's on the field in a, in a Gruden offense, he seems to do well. So um, I think those guys are still going to get theirs because they're going to be air. You know, they're going to have to air the ball out. Um, Uh, So a report just came through. Like I just saw a headline that said, Fournette plans to join Tampa Bay. Yeah, so yeah, that was what I had seen before we started recording. Um, that that they were the front runners. There was mutual interest. Um, it's just a normal like. Let's be honest about Tampa Bay. They signed an over forty year old free agent quarterback, right? Like how many years? I'm not saying they're gearing up for a Super Bowl run this year. But it can't be a five-year plan. No, I mean they got a lot of talent. Like I mean, offensive side of the ball, they've got a ton of talent. Right, Um, a ton of talent. So why not? You know, why not make this roll of the dice? Um, I think it makes the most sense. Um, I, I mean, I'm also glad he's not. You know, the talk isn't that he's favored to go to Pittsburgh. Right. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I guess that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, yeah. You're like, damn, like, is this guy going to kill the player that I took? So, I mean, that was something either you had Fournette, you took him, which in our league, our buddy Ozzy took. And I think that's a pretty good. It's one of the better for him to go to. It's one of the best. So what I will say is, and and I, again, I forget who on Twitter was saying it and I would love to give give credit and I wish I had a better memory. I have to start writing this down, but basically said when he got, when Fournette got released by the Jaguars, there is no team other than maybe Kansas city that would sign him that you'd say you felt better today than when you drafted him, right? Like that would improve, that would improve 
um, that. But this represents one. Tampa Bay represents one of the best possible landing spots. Yep. Um. So uh, it, it just makes sense when it happened. I was like, I can't imagine Tampa Bay isn't isn't who signs him. But who the hell knows what's going to happen? So, um, kind of to slide right along here. Um, I'm not going to say we go through whatever the seven stages of grief <laughs> following a fantasy draft, but um, there is a little bit as you're going through the draft of a buildup of like, all right. Like a remorse, uh, like a buyer's remorse. I think there's, so we call draft day Christmas day. And I feel like we forget when we're kids once all the gifts are open and you've played with your toys or played your video game for an extended amount of time, there's this like endorphin dump where like, it's a little bit of a letdown. And I feel like that happens after a draft and we think we go through and we think we're like piling through our picks. Like, Oh, I wish I would have done this or I wish I would have done that. Or I'm not, I'm happy. I'm not. And I think we, you have to a little bit, let it, let it um let it ruminate you know yeah. let it sit there you, you gotta you gotta let it sit before you start making judgments on how you feel well i know that's how mean you think but there probably are some people that are like my team's the greatest team that's ever been drafted so oh there's more people <laughs> feel that way than don't right you know like um so i feel like people most people walk away feeling like Oh yeah, I'm winning the championship this year. And then there's another group grouping of people that are like, "Oh my god, I made so many mistakes that I wish I could change. I'm not happy. I'm going to try and start making some trades." You know, like um and I feel like it's a good idea to unplug for a little bit and see how you feel later. Yeah, I mean, for me, a little bit of remorse, buyer's remorse with taking Thomas and not mixing. Um, it was between Thomas and Mixon for me. I knew I didn't want Chubb or Jones because I, I just didn't like their particular situations. Um, and then, it, so I take Thomas and then it, like my RB1 is Eckler. I'm not really so comfortable with that. Um, I think that you're being too hard on Eckler. Yeah. I, listen, I had him last year. Loved him. He was he was part of the success that I had. But all right, like Eckler mixing. I I mean I don't know. I don't know at this point. You know. So Eckler's probably gonna. You know. At minimum, you have 90 catches. Right. Right. And I don't think he has under 700 rushing yards. Right. Right. That seems fair. That seems fair. And does he have 600 receiving yards? I mean, if you have 90 catches, right? Like that's 1,300 all purpose yards and then 45 points for 90 catches. It's not a bad season. Right. And that's, I think, you know, barring injury, which I know everybody will say a player like Eckler, you have to factor in some, but I just don't think it's 
smart to do because it's just not a good exercise to try and predict. You know, no, do they you have can't. I mean, a good or a bad team? Do, you right. know, like, does it happen halfway through the game or in the beginning of the game? You know, like, it's silly to try and play that that kind of game a little bit, unless you're just saying, I expect him to miss a certain amount of games, which, again, I don't know what logarithm anybody's using to to do that, you know? Um, so, wait, uh, so I'm looking at your draft board, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you go three straight running backs. Yeah. So... Okay, we talk about exercises in mock drafting and all that stuff. Like, is that something you expected to do, or did you kind of go a little off script yourself? Well, I think that mo- like most mocks I did, I had three running backs in my top four picks. It just sometimes it ended up being a wide receiver second sometimes it ended up being um, a wide receiver third. Um, but because we're at the back end, I still think like that third pick is kind of similar to your fourth pick. Mm-hmm. So um, did I have, had I done a draft where I went three straight running backs? No. But what I'll say is I, instead of risking Connor, not making it back to me, I took him with my third pick. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, just, us talking here like i probably would have taken him right you know and it, you know like it's not a bad pick with your third pick but remember when i drafted two my first two picks for those of you guys listening i take Kenyon drake and then i take joe mixon so i re- i also took connor because i took a fair amount of risk with my first two picks and I wanted to make sure if both of those didn't work, that I still had a startable, you know, an RB two at minimum running back. Mm-hmm. Because if I, if I, if, you know, I don't know if he still is, but the last I had heard Kenyon Drake was in spotted in a walking boot. Um, and Joe Mixon at the time was still holding in. Um, so I didn't want to risk Connor not getting back to me. I didn't think he would. But also, I really needed some safety there because yeah. there was no draft. I started with those two players. But I'm also not sure I've been in a draft where Joe Mixon fell that far. No, for sure not. Yeah, I mean, I guess in in a lot of the drafts we do, like Thomas is going probably like four or five, right? Which kind No of later pushes, than seven. Yeah. Which pushes the back back, right? Like right. That, and that didn't happen. Um, which, again, is fine. You know, like, I'm fine with Kenyon Drake. You know, um, I know we kind of gave him a little bit of a rough ride when we did our running back ranks. But the reality is, is I don't know I'm drafting Drake so much as I'm drafting the Arizona backfield, um, which seemed to be pretty good last year, no matter who was behind it. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I, listen. If if you don't take Drake where you took him, I'm probably taking him. Well, it's just yeah, like you just have to be prepared, and I I that's just the way it was, you know. So, um, you don't expect the draft to fall the way it does. You have to be a little flexible, um, and then you have to know which guy, you know, like which guys you want, which guys you don't want, which guys you have ranked very different than the field. Um, 
and which guys you don't think will make it back to you. Um, but the reality is, is I go three straight running backs because I'd assumed just so much risk with my first two picks. Yeah. And then after my pick of Thomas, like I go three straight running backs because honestly, like I, I take arguably the best wide receiver in a game. I don't need another like great wide receiver. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you too. Um, after you get through those first like top three, maybe top four, there's just a lot of the guys are kind of close, right? A lot of guys are very close and there's just so much value in the middle that like, is it worth it to not to, to, to neglect the running back position to take some guys that might be grouped together? Right. And that's kind of that is how every mock that I had done has gone is that like whenever I've done it, I've said, you know, like I felt like I don't mind getting waiting and getting these receivers, you know? Um, and I'm, I agree with you. If I have Michael Thomas, I don't, I don't need giant performances, you know, like I just need a steady guy. And I think that you ended up grabbing woods, um, which is, I think like the perfect kind of guy. Yeah. You know, like he gives you a good floor. So I get, uh, yeah, I get Woods in the fifth. And this is a guy we, you, this, this has to go back like at least two months. You pose like a question to me about, I forget what, kind of like name the wide receiver that's had like four straight 1,000 yard seasons. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's going to get you, like, it's not a sexy pick. He's not going to win you a league. No, he's not. I've, right. But you don't need him to. Right. And that's the point. When you've got Michael Thomas, like, you still need to take some guys with upside later on just to have that. You know, um, it's, it never hurts to have a receiver that really outperforms, or any position that really outperforms their draft capital. But the reality is, is when you have a guy that's that good, all you need is an, another guy, you know, like that's going to get you a guaranteed amount of points that you're not going to have to search for on the wire. Right. You know, so the, the point being is, is it allowed you to start getting deeper at a position that does not have that option, right? Like you can find a receiver out there on the waivers that's, you know, not worthless, um, after the draft, there's like no running backs out. I mean, now I say that and I realize that there's going to be some guy out there that started the season on waivers that ends up being serviceable to good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That being said, I mean, I think DJ was that right. Um, his rookie or his second year. Like the year he exploded, where no, he was never on the on the waivers. He wasn't. Okay. No, but he was a middle. Like he was not a top pick. He was like a middle pick. Um. But like waivers, you're looking at James Connor when Bell sat out, you know, or um, oh, right, yeah. Uh, geez, I'm, I'm drawing a little bit of a blank, but but oh, um. 
Run DMC or Run, yeah, uh, Matt Darren McFadden. Gotcha. Uh, the year he took over in Dallas before they, you know, before um, they drafted Zeke and he took over halfway through the season um, and, and just was, you know, I think he pushed me into a, a pretty good run um, because when you pick up a guy like that, who's having like top 10 performances off the waivers, it makes the rest of your, your roster better. Um, but those are the guys I'm more or less talking about where like, you're going to find there's going to be someone like that where, you know, whatever, a guy gets caught drunk driving or something and, and someone else steps up and does well. You know? Well, I it's kind of funny you should say that. Do you think as this industry of fantasy kind of like evolves, like we as owners of our teams are rostering more running backs that are potential like handcuffs than ever that, that really this... like if you look at the the landscape of the waiver wire for oh it's burnt yeah it's... i mean um yes and no so um i think that we're better at projecting the guy who's going to take the job like, I think that we've just gotten better at knowing and reading the tea leaves, I guess, there. Um, and I think that we've also gotten better at um, making sure we, people take shots at rookies um, instead of just letting them sit on the wire because they're not the number one. Um, so, yes. And I think but I also think that some of that is dependent on your league and if they have caps on roster positions. So I don't know, six years ago, we used to have a cap of five running backs. Right. I do remember that. Yep. Um, and then, you know, um, we removed, and it was like, we had all of these rules again that were just, I feel like a broken record. They were just from when we started it and it was antiquated. Like, yeah. Yeah, you could only have three quarterbacks. You could only have, like, every position had a little bit of a rule, and we just scrapped them all because it's like you should be able to run your team the way you want to run your team. And if you want to have a bench that's all running backs and that's you want to have nothing else, that's up to you. Right. You know, like, um, and everybody's got to adjust, you know, and, and, and just because everybody thinks a league should be this way, well, you got to adjust to your league. And if someone wants to roster five defenses, well – okay, then there's not going to be much on the waivers, you know, like it just allow your league to be individual, I guess is, was my point. So would you rather have more guys out there or would you rather have more freedom? Right. So, and I think we, add, we added bench spots, correct? We added one. So yeah, we, I mean, that matters though. Like it does. Well, we took away kickers. Yeah. So um, that's gone. We added a bench spot, and I, my plan is that extra bench spot is only there for this season because of COVID. Um, because of COVID, right? Um, we already had a deep bench of seven before this year. Seven plus an IR, so we have eight bench spots plus an IR. But I added that just because of COVID. I'm hoping that next year COVID is not 
and as much in the forefront as it is this year. And then I can scrap that, that extra right. bench because our benches, to be honest, are way too deep. The only way I'd be willing to keep that bench spot is if we added like another a, position, maybe a starting quarterback. Yeah. Starting yeah. another starting quarterback spot or, a, or a super flex spot. Um, that would be the only way that I'd be willing to keep that bench spot. But um, because we've got way too many, way too many um, already. So, um, but all of these things point being is, is um, I can tell you when I finished and I was looking at my starting running backs, um, I didn't feel great at the end of the draft because I'd assumed so much risk. I'm like, well, now I'm not deep enough, you know, like, um, because if both these guys have a major problem, you know, what am I going to do? But then it's also like, who has four starting quality running backs? You know, like that's silly, but it also comes down to like, I have weaker wide receivers because I invested so much in running back. But once Joe Mixon signed, it changed my entire feeling. So my, my, what my point is, is that like, it's not a good exercise to look at your team and get panicked before the season starts, unless like before the season starts, someone suffers a a season ending injury and you need to now adjust, you know, like that is something to panic about. Yeah. I guess, I mean, I, when I pose a question, like when news comes out about, Oh, he's got like migraines. Like, it's not like, Oh, he's got like, a bum leg like yeah but i feel like we kind of knew what what was going on like that news like pushes a guy out of the first round i mean an over adjustment right probably yeah but i will say this so the other part is is um as we say all the time, we're based in the Philadelphia area. And while we we thought it was a contract dispute, the reality is, is in Philadelphia, we have a hockey player that has gone through migraine syndrome and has missed the entire season. Right. Um, You're right. So I think that being in Philadelphia and hearing migraines, um, we're particularly sensitive here to that. Um, just because of what we've seen Nolan Patrick go through. Um, all of us in the league, I think maybe minus one person are hockey fans, you know, and are our Flyers fans. So like there is like a weird side thing that probably would not happen in other parts of the country either uh-huh. because of our history with seeing a young player with migraines and it being able to take them out the whole season. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, legitimate concern yeah but then once i guess at the draft is when i started to feel like this is all this is all contract and while i waited i just felt like i've got to take at this point i've got to take them i mean no smart listen i mean it's brilliant there's nobody here there was just i felt like there was nobody there even though julio was there that offered that level of upside at a position that thin, right? Like there's only one position that thin that's running back. And Joe Mixon was very good at the end of last year. Um, I've had him previously, not last year, but the year before he was very good. Um, once the team decided to give him the ball, 
Um, so he just represented an upside that I had to take the risk on, you know, like, but also look, I feel great today, but I would not have felt great if they didn't sign him and I had to roll out James Connor and makers, you know, like, um, but that's the fun of fantasy football. It's funny. Like I'm looking at our draft board now and you mentioned Julio. I can't believe how far he kind of dropped. Well, I, I got. To, I like Julio better than Devontae Adams. Do you? I mean, do you agree the, with that? Or it, I like Julio better than Kelsey. So yes, than Kelsey, Adams. I think it's close, and it's a preference call. So um, Julio is probably a better athlete, you know, than Devontae Adams. But Devontae Adams is an excellent receiver with a quarterback who loves throwing on the ball. He, he is. Um, There's an injury concern there, though. Yeah, there there is. He's but never there, played like a full season. But nonetheless, um, I'm, I'd am i be fine. I took Adams in the first round last year. You did? You know, like I'd be fine taking him over Julio. My thing is, is that I wouldn't be fine taking Patrick Mahomes over Julio. Or Ho- With, what about Hopkins or no, Hill? Uh, no, probably not. I, I would take Hill. I'd be more likely to take Hill over Julio, but I wouldn't. Hopkins, definitely not. Um, you know, and that was my question at my pick was, what do I take Julio now or do I take Mixon? And I think the part of your talking off air, like, you were considering Godwin, were you not? I mean, my feeling with Chris Godwin is um, I do believe he's worthy of that discussion. Um, but I don't think I, you know, like at the pick where I was with the, with the player that I was looking at, I just don't think I would have gone with any wide receiver. Um, but that being said, it comes at a cost, you know, like I, my wide receivers are probably on paper. I don't agree with on paper or on paper, the weakest of like my, of the group, because I don't really have a true quote unquote want. Yeah. I mean, I think Chark probably is your one. Yeah. But I, I mean, I got, McLaurin, who I really like, just a bad offense. Yeah, I mean, I guess what you're, I mean, Jacksonville and Washington, probably not the greatest of offenses. No, probably not. You know, but these guys, so what happens, right? So we talked about it. I took three running backs early. And then I still think I took Cam Akers in like the fifth. It looks like the sixth. uh, So I only took two receivers in my top five picks or top. Right. So the top six, really. So what happens there is remember, if you're going to do this and you want to make sure you're getting all the value you can out of running back, you're going to be thin back there at wide receiver. 
You know, I don't have a Michael Thomas. I don't have a Tyreek Hill. I don't have a Chris Godwin or Julio. I'm betting that either McLaurin or Chark are going to become those players. Yeah, I mean, or out or are going to be good despite their offense. Sure. You know, and that could be a very losing bet. I'm also looking at our board and look. Evans went before Godwin. I don't agree. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. I guess that's a tough. uh, I probably, I mean, I think that should be reversed. And listen, this is only by like two picks. Yeah, but I I just think that there's a little bit, whatever. You know, like I think a little bit of overvaluing of Mike Evans, but that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. um, I I just I think Godwin represents the better player there, and um, different kind of skill set. But right. that being said, okay, you know, like there just comes a point where it does become preference because there's a bunch of picks in there that I'm just you know you get to be like what's going on here, but oh you know okay. Um, if that means I get James Conner in the third round, I'll take it, you know, but right. So am I shut? Right. So then we'll, we'll go. Th- I don't want to go through it pick by pick, but we go through and did I expect Patrick Mahomes to go early in the second round? No, you know, and then Lamar Jackson goes at the turn, the right. second, third round turn. All right. I think maybe if Lamar Jackson was there at the end of the third round and my pick came up, I might have taken him there um, because it just does become about a value there. Not likely, you know, and I'm glad I didn't have to make that decision because I definitely wouldn't have been happy at the end. <laughs> um, but that being said, you know, when you go through and look, there's things that happen that force other things to happen. And you know, at we there were four of us that sat there in the room, and a player went off, and it was like, "Oh, here comes a run on tight ends," and uh-huh. boom, there it was. You know, like like clockwork. Well, yeah, I, I after the first two quarterbacks, which were Mahomes and Jackson, it doesn't look like there was another run or quarterback taken until I took one in the sixth round, which as soon as I took him, I'm like, here, I said, it. I'm like, mm-hmm. here comes the, the run on quarterbacks. I took Russell Wilson. And sure enough, like in that round, Dak goes, Watson goes, Kyler Murray goes, like, yep. I guess like, that could be a draft strategy, no? Like you it, starting a run, well, that's to get a I, player back that you want later. I mean, well, um, that's why I talked about in my draft flow um, post about one of the reasons I like to be at the turn was I either want to start a run or miss a run. Um, and I don't know that it's necessarily the most effective strategy that a player you do this so a player will fall back to you. Because remember, you still have to take that position, right? Like you still have to take that pick to start it. 
Um, and you don't know if that player is going to get back to you or not. You don't know how deep a run is going to go. Um, how, and how, like, how long does it, does it, is it three picks this round and then three picks the next before you're picked back? Like I, it's tough to, to predict. Cause once you get kind of into that fifth round range, the draft script, even though it was kind of a mess from the jump, the draft script is really out of the window. You know, and you start to get weird picks there, right? Like, you start to get some reaches in the fifth and sixth round. Yeah, and I guess that's probably the the rounds to start taking guys, like, that you really like. I think it's the round to start, the round to start taking upside guys. Right. Like, you're always going to want to draft for upside, but when I say upside guys... That's really the rounds that you're taking these guys that we're talking about, the Cam Akers and 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 the such, um, Swift and and these kind of guys. You don't you're not necessarily hoping to get. If I take a quarterback here and I force everybody to take a quarter, like if you wanted the other player, just take the other player. I guess is my point. Mm-hmm. Um, better to be early in some cases than late. Um, in regard to those kind of players, right? Like, but what I don't want to be doing in those picks because I've drafted now a quarterback and a tight end is still searching for my running back too. Right. Yeah. You know, you feel a lot different. Like, again, I'll use my own team. I feel a lot different drafting a Cam Akers when I've got three running backs that are all of decent quality if they're on the field. Yeah, I mean, you're almost kind of stashing him a little bit, right? Like, Which I think that you're supposed to do with a Jonathan Taylor or a Cam Akers or a J.K. Dobbins or yeah. any kind of guys. Like, you shouldn't be drafting them to be your three. I feel like you should be drafting them to be your four. And even though Taylor, you probably had to pay up for him to be your three, just remember that you're going to have to pay up for the next guy that you might need to start. You might need to pay up for your um, Jordan Howard while you're waiting for Taylor to, to really own that backfield. So um, my point being is, is you can't do that. And that's one of the reasons why I wait on those positions. You can't do that. If you took one of those one positions, and then if you took two, you definitely can't do it because you're still drafting starters in the fifth round for your other positions. Mm-hmm. Right. You're drafting starters. You need something different from your starter than you do from your bench. Your bench, you can be more patient with. So, um, all of these lessons, unfortunately, might be too late for most of the people listening if they've already drafted. Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess there's one more week, right? This weekend, I draft Friday. Yeah. Um, my, my, I have my last draft Friday. Um, so yes, this weekend is like the last. Like this is probably the last draft weekend. Um, and then if you draft, if you're like somebody who waits to the absolute last minute and you're drafting on Wednesday. Um, First game's the, on the 10th, right? I think. Yes. Which is yeah. Thursday. Yeah. So, um, but if you're one of those te- leagues that has to wait in the literally the absolute last minute, then maybe this will help. But um, I, I mean, I this can- year was, Unlike any other year, right? Like, there's no preseason. 
No preseason. So you can't start. see how guys are doing. Yeah, no mini camps. Right. Like no rookie camp. Um, you don't get much news. Like it is a very different year in that regard. Like yeah, a lot of the press isn't allowed on at training camp. Like, um, for us, and I'm sure it's like that. Like even our drafts are different, right? Like yeah, we so we broke it up into two satellites for the most part. Um. And that seemed to work out fairly well. It did. It did. Um, but yes, it was different in that regard. Um, it, it just kind of everything was was different, and it's going to be that way. Yeah. You know, hopefully, sure. it isn't a next year, but who knows? Um, so I want to make sure, like, we close up kind of the point of recording all this, which was I know that we we talked a lot about our own league, but which was uh, be prepared to make in-draft adjustments. Don't be afraid to make in-draft adjustments. And when it's done, don't walk away from the draft thinking you drafted the best team ever. Everybody has weaknesses, um, unless you're like maybe in a three-team league. I don't know, you know, (laughs) four-team. If you're in a 10-team or more, no matter what, everybody has weaknesses somewhere. And those. The less teams you have, the weaknesses show up in different places. They might be on your bench, um, but no matter what, nobody drafted perfect. Well, then it becomes relative at that point. Right, right, like, right. Yeah. exactly. So nobody drafted perfect. So the, but when you look up and down your draft board, maybe you do acknowledge you made some mistakes, but only get so high or so low. You know, um, Don't get desperate and start trying to offer trades that aren't good just because you're unhappy. Um, let it settle in. Yeah, I mean, we at the at this point, I mean, I would say, I don't know, like maybe seventy percent of leagues probably already drafted by this point. Yep. I mean, you gotta let the season start. Uh, I mean, the only thing that you should be doing right now is keeping your ear to news and make moves once you find out that news came and there's just, there could be a starting quality player out there. Right. You know, like other than that, or if you had Mohamed Sanu, you know, you might want to look at either seeing if he signs or getting him off your team. Um, and here, the, I guess the best advice probably is you don't win your league on draft day. No, you did the draft. I always look at it like this, like the draft is your like scaffolding. Um, it's important. If you don't build it right, you can fall down, but it is not a house. Um, your draft is. You can lose, you, you know, if you draft exceptionally bad, it's very hard to rescue. But nobody wins their league by making no moves once the season starts. No, you have to be active. And part of that is, like, you can't – you have to look at matchups and who you're starting each week. Who, like, you have to make adjustments every single week. Uh, yeah. You know, like, who you're going to start. You know, like, that matters, like. There might be a matchup where your second wide receiver is playing the best defense. Is he wise to be starting then? 
maybe not. Like, I think these are things we're, we'll talk about in the future. Um, right. Right. The other part is, and then we'll talk about why you're going to want to listen a little bit more in the future. Matchups can look different than what they look like when you're just looking at a snapshot, right? So your second receiver might be playing the second best defense, but the second cornerback that he's going to be matching up against might be bad, right? Like, so it's not just looking at your matchup, but looking at the actual matchup for the player sometimes. Um, and that's where we're going to try and make our um, make our headway there. Maybe we won't be giving start sit advice, but we'll talk a little bit about you know why you might like or not like a particular matchup. Right. Matchups are dependent. You know, like if you're going up against a good rushing defense, but they have a bad passing defense, so maybe you're going to leave your quarterback in. You know, um, you have to look. the The advanced analytics are there. You have to use them. Um, so that being said, you're going to still need to drop and add people. There's going to be people that you thought the world of that don't have a clear path to starting or don't, it doesn't work out or whatever. Nobody wins a championship making no, no ads throughout the season. No. And you also don't win a championship like because you're, second wide receiver had the best week one in the history of, you know what I mean like yeah you got to adjust as the season goes on right so. um, on to our second most important topic <laughs> so um, what jerky brand do you have today okay so this is a brand that actually Alana's parents picked up for me okay and it's from the House of Jerky. Okay. And I think these are kind of in various places. I I know they got this particular one in um Jim Thorpe. Okay. Which is, I guess is, yeah, up like near the Poconos. Mm-hmm. But I've seen this also like in other places. So it's not like you can't get this anywhere else, but it's from the house of jerky. Okay. And you're, you'll, you'll like this. So the, what it is, it's a teriyaki. Okay. Beef brisket jerky. Ah, so, so we had brisket at our draft. We did, which thank you very much. <laughs> Always awesome. Um, so, all right. So I'll tell you right off the bat. So I just opened it up. Mm-hmm. Um, Good smell. Great smell. Um, it's I can tell right away. It's very tender. Um, it's thin. It's tender. The smell, like I can pick up, like a really. You can tell it's teriyaki. Like it has that like Asian flair to it. I guess it's like, it, like ginger like you could um soy that kind of smell yep um so really really good smell to it um again it's it's tender so all 
And to me, it tastes like it smells. Like it has a, a really distinct teriyaki teriyaki flavor to it. So brisket jerky to me, because it, I think it has like a higher fat content than um, where they get jerky from normally, does have a different kind of chew to it. Yeah, this does. It's um, like the the it you could tell it's brisket because like the the length of the the cut the cut yeah um the flavor's really really good um okay it's very tender um wow this is good um i'm going to say this is on tenderness it's a five. Okay. I mean, it's probably like since our starting our reviews, like the most tender thing, the most tender. Okay. And it's thin. It's thin. So it's not just that it's cut thick. So therefore it's tender. Right. Um, the taste very highly influenced by teriyaki and that kind of like Asian flavor. It's, it's, it's a it's a, it's a four so it's a four and a half yes yeah it's really really good okay so i have um perky jerky good brand it's a brand that you could get pretty much and i think what like it's in wawa this one was from shop right um but a pretty pretty big brand and um, the flavor that I have is sweet and snappy, which looks like it's a sweet heat, um, which is one of my more likes barbecue flavors. Right. So um, from the jump, it is a soft jerky. So like I can like squeeze it, you know, or pinch it. So, yes, it's very tender, very soft. All right, there's the spice. Um, my first bite was only like sweet. So here's the thing, and I don't, because this is a decent jerky. I wouldn't consider this tender. I consider it soft. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it a tenderness of four because it is a consistently, you know, it's not chewy. But it, uh, it's hard to describe why I would say it's soft versus tender. But it just feels like maybe the choice of meat makes it that way versus the way it's been prepared. Mm. But the flavor, sweet heat, you can't beat that combination. The flavor I'm also going to go for. So that's a solid four all around. It's a very good jerky. It's a very good jerky. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with it. Um, I had um, off offline when we started talking about doing these, we had discussed if we prefer a ten, more tender jerky or a thinner, more chewy jerky, which is like a traditional jerky to me. And 
because whenever I go to the supermarket, I always grab a beef, bag of beef jerky. This is why we're doing beef jerky. <laughs> I genuinely like beef jerky. You genuinely like beef jerky. Um, I got in a brand called Wild Bills. Um, and it was very, it was the very thin, like traditional chewy, um, like almost hard jerky. And the like, so these more tender slices, I think that what you lose out on is this big beef flavor. Like, cause, and you can mask it with putting other flavors on top of it, which is right. still good. But I, I will say like the industry seems to have gone more towards the like tender or tender feeling jerky. And you don't find the more traditional jerkies around much. Anymore. I guess. So I, Here's the difference between this week's and last last week. I I forgot to bring this up. Like like today's jerk like it's it's um it's tender, but it's almost like like wet. You know what I mean? Like Yes, yes. Maybe that's what I was like. It's not yeah, it's, it's, dehydrated it's, at like right. As three. opposed to like a jerky that's chewy that's like dry like yeah you're right this is like wetter and i think that's because of maybe the the seasoning and how they prepared it you know like i i I would assume like when you are you would know better than me because you you smoke things like you're adding like the sauce or whatever at the end Mm-hmm. And then I guess they're packaging in it, like so it tends to be like wetter instead of uh, like this dry, like dehydrated type of jerky. Which I, per- for me personally, like I kind of prefer that the newer ones. Yes, yeah. I I think I agree. Um. But I do still like to once in a while grab like an old school jerky where like it's basically just beef jerky with like fuck. Uh, now we're just explicit. <laughs> with, um, an hour and 40 minutes later. Um, but a regular just beef with like black. Uh, like ground black pepper on it, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty good, so right. It's just a good beef flavor with a little bit of pepper to enhance it, and it's not it's like dry rubbed on this, yeah. But like, and I think I just have to be in the mood for that kind. And I, so what I, what I will say is like, when I reach for a bag, this is like this turkey jerky, like I'll buy it again, like it's a good jerky, but um, that's what I'm feeling for is that tenderness, like. Um, but once in a while, I know when I get that thin one that for most brands, you're going to get that like really big beef flavor. And sometimes you just want that, you know? Yeah. I, listen, next week when we do this and I've, I have something in mind that I've had mm-hmm. that I want to review. And okay, I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. So a little tease <laughs> for the next jerky review. Yeah. I have. A second bag of perky jerky that's teriyaki, so I might just do the teriyaki flavor. We'll see right. if I eat that tomorrow. You might. You <laughs> listen. I'll probably eat it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> that's but, gone. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, last thing I think I'm going to do, and I know that we're, we're running really long tonight, but um, I've been trying content is um, I'm buying a new smoker this week. Um, so I think that uh, I'm going to do like when it comes in next week or the week after, um, whenever it does show up, do like an assembly video and, and good. Yeah, smart. Um, all that kind of stuff. So I actually uh, think you should um, review like what you had versus what you're getting. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. like, well, so my plan is to keep what I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a little project for myself that I, now that the weather is getting to, like, you can work outside mm-hmm. and I'll probably cut this part, but, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this grill apart to a, to a degree, sand off the parts that need to be sanded, repaint it, um, replace the parts that need to be replaced. But I think I'm going to put like big, like, um, like almost like an off-road tire, like not a big tire but like big for the grill and i might like if i decide to do competitions use that grill as my competition um so i'm gonna make a little project of restoring this but also repurpose it a bit maybe like make it my own um some replace what's broken get new wheels you know maybe redo how some of the shelves go and whatnot and and yeah so um the reality is that it's metal, you know, like what I really need to replace maybe are like the heat shield and the, um, the stuff under, you know, some of the stuff that might've melted underneath. Um, and then it's just sanding off the parts that, um, got damaged and repainting them with high heat paint. Nice. So, um, yeah, like I was thinking about what I wanted to do. Cause I was like, well, maybe I'll just take this and I'll make like a permanent thing. Like I'll put it on something where it's like just a permanent barrel almost to have stuff stay warm or to cold smoke stuff. And I'm like, you know what, let me set this up and make it like a competition. If I decide to do competitions, this won't be a pain in the balls to drag off of, a, of a, a to- being towed or whatever. Right. No, so, definitely not. So yeah, that's the plan for, uh, for that grill. So I'm going to try and customize it and see where I get. Nice. So yeah, I'll probably do that. Like talk about like where, you know, like graduating up and I bought this one as a good, you know, starter yeah. and smoking and, and, see if I was really going to commit to it using it. And if I, you know, before I invested a ton of money in and, um, and then why I need a big, why I need such a basically double the size, (laughs) you know, like the reality is, is like when I was cooking holiday meals, like whatever I was cooking, like the meat wise, like I'd have to do so much earlier so I could get the sides in late, you know, like, um, just not enough space to do like a couple things. Right. Like if I have a brisket in there, that's it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's hard to do every, a lot of other things. So, um, it'll be much more convenient for me. So that's going to be some content I do coming up. Like once I order it and get it, all that good stuff. Nice. Yay. All right, man. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Yeah.